Welcome to the Business of You podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Gogos. This podcast is dedicated to helping you uncover how to turn your big idea into big business and grow your personal brand into the business of your dreams. Each week, I'll talk to founders of all kinds of businesses, exploring how they launched and grew their companies. Behind every successful business is an epic journey, one that can serve as a roadmap to help you grow yours. The Business of You is all about frank conversations and unique business wisdom for the entrepreneur. It's a chance to tune into the story behind the brand and retrace the path of those who walked this road before you so you can pave your own road to success. Welcome to the Business of You. Today on the Business of You, I am excited to introduce you to Motive Srinath. Motif is the founder and CEO of a company called Nexus Leap, which was actually born and launched in April 2020. You're probably thinking what I was when he told me about his launch date, which was probably not the best time to launch a company. But believe it or not, not only has Nexus Leap survived, but they have thrived. Nexus Leap is an analytics consulting company that specializes in equipping companies with scalable decision-making tools. What does that mean? It means that they build dashboards for companies that are managing large amounts of data. And these dashboards actually help companies make decisions around efficiency and spending and logistics, among other things. It basically combines the software side, the technical side with the business process and system side. So it's a very valuable tool for uh, companies that can use this type of tool to make decisions. Motif has a deep expertise in data warehousing, business intelligence, and cloud application management. He also served as Microsoft's advisory board member for their artificial intelligence product offerings in the cloud, and he also has several analytics leadership positions in consulting and product companies. What I think you'll find most unique about today's episode is that Modif started his company because when he was an employee working at other companies, people were, clients were specifically asking to work with him in a consulting capacity to build their solutions. And after several years of this, Modif realized, huh, I could probably do this on my own. So if you are working inside a company and have been daydreaming about launching your own consulting company, then this is an episode to tune into. Enjoy today's episode of The Business of You with Modif Srinath. Let's start at the beginning. Tell me about your journey and how you got to where you are today. I can go very far back, Rachel, and I'll give a quick cliff notes because I think some of the very early happenings in my life has a lot to do with what drives me today. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I was born in India. I moved to Singapore at a very young age. And then even within Singapore, we, we had a short stint in Malaysia and then back. And then we finally moved to the U S and then, you know, I jumped straight into uh, last few months of elementary school and then middle school and then high school. And then basically most of my schooling was the U S. So after that, you know, I, I fully consider myself an American citizen at this point. Um, but you know, my, my school from then on, I went to Georgia tech back in, back in Georgia, um, and kind of continue my education at Georgia tech. And really what I found is, um, I'm, I'm very, I'm very motivated by diversity and Mm -hmm. creating 
being in situations that are diverse because that's sort of how I've grown up. Um, I've grown up in situations where I've been the different person and yes. I've had to kind of create um, an environment that's comfortable for everyone around me, including myself, so that um, I, I feel like I belong there, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, one thing I, I, I actually lean to do is because I, I do have this tendency to learn things pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. I'm also in a position to teach people things that they may not have learned as, you know, quite yet. So uh, a very easy way for me to connect with people around me is um, to learn something new that happened as quickly as possible and then helping other people get there as well. And mm -hmm. so I think over time I realized it's called teaching, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I found myself in, in situations where I am, I am helping people kind of, get that light bulb moment. And, and I mm. think I, I find myself in those situations over and over again, because uh, I think a lot of my fulfillment comes in and being able to do that for someone. And so even, even in college, I was, a, I was a teaching assistant uh, for computer science. Um, and then after college, I was a consultant for a very long time, helping clients and basically enabling clients um, to learn something new about their own business or this new software implementation and learning more about the software and I think being, being on the side of learning has always been about what's compelled me and given me a lot of purpose in what I do. And so when I started Nexus Sleep uh, three and a half years ago, which is a fun time of its own, which I'm sure yes. I'll get into, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it really, it was kind of a natural transition. You know, uh, mm -hmm. my, my schooling was very much aligned. I, I went to computer, I did computer science and I did industrial engineering. So, you know, a lot of math, a lot of computer science kind of brought together, but also where the people that I'm teaching this to don't necessarily need to know that because I know that and I can kind right. of impart what I need to for them to take advantage of that. And therefore, you know, my company right now, Nexus Sleep, we build um, highly performant cloud analytics solutions for our clients. And so our clients don't need to worry about the performance. They don't need to worry about the technicalities. They just need to know that they're getting, you know, best in class for themselves in such a way that they can scale and they can mm -hmm. use the data they have at their disposable and, and use it for real business outcomes, right? To drive their own business and uh, to, to solve problems that they haven't been able to solve before. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I find a lot of fulfillment in kind of bringing that all together. And at this point in time, um, being that, that advisor that our clients can really trust. Mm -hmm. What was the moment where you went from being a consultant working for somebody else to thinking and realizing that you want to start your own company and and thought, hey, I can do this. I think the moment came when, you know, I represented many, many other consulting companies throughout my career. And, and more and more what was happening was our clients specifically wanted me for the project. Uh, and, and I think you, Rachel, I know you're, you're a big brand person, right? Mm -hmm. and, and there was a brand of, of Mabov that was becoming clear. And I think it was, and, and at some point I found kind of a dissonance between my brand and the company's brand. And I realized mm -hmm it's actually a disservice for me to stay with the company if my brand is actually more powerful. And I know that sounds kind of like I'm thinking highly of myself, but yeah. it, it kind of paid off, right? Because right. for that decision that I made of disassociating myself from a company's brand and taking things on myself, I was able to actually build a company around it. I was able to build processes around it. I was able to build some structure around it. And, right. and it's cool because it's no longer my brand. It's my company's brand. And right. therefore... My company has a specific brand that everyone in the company follows and embodies. And, and we all have unique strengths. You know, I hire people that are better than me in some way. 
because right. collectively now we have an even stronger brand than before. So I think that transition came, Rachel, when I realized um, there's more impact to be had if I branched out versus if I stayed. Right. Were you able to take any of the clients you were working with with you when you first launched? You know, that's always a very tricky subject. Yes. That's one of those things that's uh, it's, it's one of those things that's very heavily, um, you know, it's, it's behind a lot of legal red tape. Right. right? So it's one of those things that it, it, to be approached very carefully. Um, there, there was a client of mine that I've had a sustained relationship with that I was able to take, but mm-hmm. uh, that was after a lot of very careful deliberation and sure. uh, some, you know, kind of, kind of making sure that nothing is, nothing is left in a bad position at a previous company and things like that. But um, the coolest thing though, is that that client is the one that saw me for who I am and saw the potential in me. So yes. it wasn't just any client it's the client that really allowed me to kind of break free of what, you know, the conventions that I held myself under in the past and create a new brand for myself. So that right. one client that, that created that, that space for me is the one that I still work with today. Oh, that's great. Well, no, it sounds like you went about it in a very thoughtful manner, um, which isn't surprising, just a, the very little interaction we've had. Um, your authenticity really shines through and integrity. So, um, so that's great. So you launched your company in April, 2020, probably not the best time to launch a company. So <laughs> what was going on in your mind? And I know your wife is your business partner, which definitely we'll dive into a little bit more later. But what was the conversation like around the dinner table, February, March, 2020, as you're getting ready to, to launch? <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because um, that was a, uh, if we, if we really think back to that time, we, we really had no idea what was to come, right? It seemed like a, a temporary thing. And it kind of st- like these rumblings started in February about this thing that's yeah. happening, that's shutting, you know, shutting cities down. We're like, ah, it's not going to happen to us. And then it happened to us. And we're like, ah, it's not going to happen for long, right? Yeah, it's two, to weeks, be honest, two week increments. Exactly. So we were in the situation where like, oh, it's not going to happen for long. And we're like, this is an opportunity while everyone's kind of, you know, in a position where, um, they're they're hunkering down. Maybe we can actually get ahead of this and start this thing and then come out on top when everyone else is just getting going. That was kind of the mentality at the time. That's part of the mentality. The other side of it was just um, pure restlessness. You know, it was time to make a move on something. It was time to go yeah. do something else. Um, I was kind of in this intermediate position where I was helping a friend out uh, as it was on his fundraising journey and I was helping leading lead his product for this uh, virtual reality company, completely mm-hmm. unrelated to what I'm doing now. But it was a complete blast because he's a very good friend of mine and the company has, you know, now is doing extremely well. They're valued, I think at like $150 million. Nice. It's doing really well. I mean, it's what I expected of them and uh, he's an amazing entrepreneur. So it's just good to see that journey for him. But mm-hmm. I was kind of in this intermediate position and I was like, I was ready for something new, right? It was mm-hmm. intermediary. It was, it was kind of like this transient position. And, um, and I, I had this opportunity come up and I was like, you know what, this is, this is the time. Um, there's probably better times, but it's one of those things when, when you create a surface area for luck and you see this opportunity and you're able to do it, you kind of sometimes have to go for it without thinking mm-hmm. too much about it logically. You just yeah. go for it and see what happens. It was one of those moments where um, I had this real big problem come up from one of my clients and they're like, listen, uh, Madhav, I need you to help solve this and uh, let me know what you need to make that happen. Over time, that grew into a larger and larger team. We grew the account there. But but that was the, that was the creation of the company because mm. it was a creation of 
um, a brand outside of other brands that that was necessary for us to go do something and solve really difficult problems that no one else solved before. Mm. And that brand grew beyond me. It started off as Mother, but it grew into Nexus Lee. You know, yeah. So it's really cool to see that because as we go more and more and more, I, I, I see I see more and more of my team members actually just just kind of filling in those gaps that I've left behind because as a human being, I, there's weaknesses I have in addition to my strengths. Sure. So it's cool to see my, my team members fill in those gaps and make that brand bigger and bigger. But it started off in April, 2020, which is, we had no choice, but to go for it. Right. Right. Was your wife, your partner right from the get-go? She, she was one of those, uh, she was a sensible, uh, part of the equation at that time, because you know, we still needed healthcare. We still needed sure. a bunch of other stuff just to make sure in this time when a global pandemic was threatening the entire world, you know, it was important for us to have some insurance to, yeah. <laughs> to cover our basic needs. Um, I joke, it wasn't just insurance, but it is one of those things where sometimes in a partnership, it makes sense to have this, this uh, competing sense of risk and, yes. and you know, um, uh, stability, right? And so okay. at that point in time, she, she held on to the stability side of things while I had I kind of took on the chaos, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, she, she wasn't, you know, the very beginning, she was a big part of my decision-making and starting the company. The, the, uh, she kind of fueled my energy and making it happen. She kind of, uh, helped me get past some of my insecurities of how yes. crazy it was to do something like this. And so she was a pivotal, pivotal part of it happening mm-hmm. and it's starting, but she really came on full-time uh, a little while after, I think about a year or so after okay. uh, the actual start of the company, I, I think about October of the year after or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember the exact timeline. Yeah. Uh, but that's when she came on and was a full-time contributor where we just cut all ties and we were just all in this together. Right. No, that sounds like a smart way to go about it. What What is her role in the company and how did the two of you uh, di- divide and conquer? Yeah. So she is the COO of the company, mm-hmm. uh, which means that, you know, I, I'm in, as much as I'm in charge of growth of the company, in charge of execution um, at our clients and even within the company for internal projects, she's in charge of keeping the boat afloat. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I kind of talk about these, this, uh, it's kind of cheesy, but I like this metaphor where I kind of help uh, have this engine for the boat mm-hmm. and, and kind of point the boat in the direction it needs to go while she's just in charge of keeping us afloat. Mm-hmm. And making sure things are running inside, you know. Yes. Uh, and so she she handles so much. The role of a COO at any company is an incredible role because a lot of times you just get everything that needs to be done that some other roles cannot do. So it's a very it's a very changing role. You you start off doing so much. You start off saying, okay, I, I'm going to take on all of HR, all of finance, all of accounting. I'm also going to take on all of actual operations. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, wait a sec, this is too much. I got to figure this out. And then I'll, we, we kind of go back and forth. And over time, it's solidified into this role where she, she handles all finances and operations. Um, HR is something that we kind of both share, but we, she handles the majority of it. Um, and then this way, this gives me the space to focus on my clients, focus on the technology, focus on our team mm-hmm. and you know, focus on growth. That's great. So how you mentioned, um, a little bit ago that some of the work you do is work that you phrased it differently, but basically you're solving problems that um, were not solvable before, maybe in some of your other roles. What are some of those, you know, like the primary problems that your clients are coming to you with that you're helping them solve, um, which is probably also a differentiator of yours. So 
So we'd love to hear about that. Definitely, Rachel. You know, it's one of those things when we have products uh, or services, and in our case, we're a services company right now. And I know mm-hmm. we're, you know, we should definitely talk about the the challenges we've had trying to become a product co- corporation. Mm-hmm. It's challenging to do that. But from a from a differentiation standpoint, I always believe in the power of ands, right? Mm-hmm. If if I am good at building cloud infrastructure, mm-hmm. that's great. There's a lot of people good at that. But what is the and if if I'm good at building cloud infrastructure and I'm good at collaborating with business functions. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, there's this really dangerous combination that very few people can compete with. I think what we do really, really well is not one or the other. It's one mm-hmm. and the other, right? Mm-hmm. We're very, very good at building technical infrastructure that is best in class, that, that serves all security needs, that serves all performance needs, scalability needs, cost, cost needs, right? Making sure it's cost efficient as we scale too. Um, but the and there is, I think, what really takes us to one of the, the best firms out there for this, uh, we're able to bring in the business requirements, the, the real business needs, and marry that up with this technical infrastructure that we build for our clients. Mm-hmm. What allows us, what, what this allows us to do is, you know, companies are led by business problems. That's what that's what strings them along, right? The yeah. value is had by solving that business problem. And technology generally enables those problems to be solved. But companies have such a hard time bridging that gap. Mm-hmm. The tech team, they're the business team, and there's no one to really help them come up with solutions together. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we we come in and we do an amazing job. We we help bring the technical teams and the business teams together so that we can all speak the same language. And that language is something that we as a team kind of help facilitate. We facilitate mm-hmm. these conversations so that we can speak with the same language, so that we can align incentives together. You know, the tech team saying this is going to cost too much. It's going to, we're going to have to provision too much. We're going to have to do this. We're going to have to do that. But the business says, oh, but I understand all of that, but this is the value we could bring with this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this, these are the problems that we've had for so long that has caused, I don't know, some, some really major bottlenecks for us on, on the efficiency side, on the growth side, whatever it might be. Um, the difficult part is just bringing that all together because mm-hmm. if, if organizations are siloed, they have no, they don't, they don't really have process to collaborate, you know? Right. And as the world is changing, I, I love to talk about this concept called the data mesh, but I don't think we should go into it today, but okay. data mesh concept is really, it's a very technical concept where um, it's, it's no longer, it no longer behooves organizations to keep the business and, and, and technology side separate. It actually mm-hmm. makes more sense to have um, the technology uh, departments or the B, the business intelligence departments or the analytics departments, let them become um, facilitators of data. So they, they figure out ways to have data move freely through their, throughout their organization so that mm-hmm. whatever one business department creates can be used by another business department, but there's something to facilitate this movement. And therefore you actually get closer and closer to a single version of the truth. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that's what we do quite well, Rachel, is if we, if we go to a company that has really complicated business requirements and has a, uh, a very, you know, maybe a very modern tech stack, they use right. the, latest, the latest technologies, but they're trying to figure out a way to build something that really solves a problem of theirs instead of building something that, that could be cool in its own way, right? The tech team might be really proud of it, but if it's not aligned to a, a problem that's really biting them, it's not going to end up moving the business forward. Can you give us a tangible example of a client, like a use case? You don't have to mention the client's name, but so that the audience has a better understanding of, of exactly the types of tools that you're building for your clients? 
Yeah, definitely. So there, there's a few that come to mind, but I think the one that comes to mind with, with this kind of concept, mm-hmm. we can, let, let's think of like a, um, um, let's think of a company that has multiple different distribution centers, right? Okay. Let's say this company is a distributor and um, they have distribution centers, warehouses, right? Across the entire United States. Uh, they also have a transportation network that, that kind of takes goods, right? Physical goods from distribution center to distribution center, but also uh, ultimately ships it to their customers, which could be anybody, but let's just say there's some like a Home Depot or some kind of retailer that's consumer facing. Like I would go to Home Depot and buy this product that maybe was distributed by this this distributor, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The thing with that is there's so much data involved here. And so now all of a sudden, how do we, how do we make sure that the, the, each distribution center is actually moving all these goods through the warehouse properly. How do we make sure that the result of these goods is actually being conveyed to people who want to buy these goods? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, how do you create new opportunities for this distributor to go to different retailers? If Home Depot can do it. Why can't Lowe's? You know, right? And a lot of times, you know, this um, if if we want to build products, we want to build them comprehensively. We don't want mm-hmm. to build and solve one small problem here. If we, if we solve a small problem, we want to think about the grand scheme of things. What is mm-hmm. this enabling us to do long-term? So if we're thinking about costs, for example, we're thinking about bringing a new customer on, we want to really understand what that means for us, right? Mm-hmm. If that customer is outside of our main distribution network, would the, tra- the added transportation cost, would that even make sense for us to bring right. on this customer, even if they have a really high margin when it comes to price versus cost, you know? Mm-hmm. And so to do that, we just have to incorporate these tools, Rachel, that that involve different business departments talking to each other, right? Mm-hmm. Warehousing needs to talk to transportation, who needs to talk to finance, yes. who needs to talk to merchandising, mm-hmm. right? And ultimately they all need to be talking via software that the IT department builds right. that you know also produces data that the analytics departments look at and analyze. And then once again, create the feedback loop back, back to the department's business department so they can make better decisions. I see. Now this is a big project, a lot of moving parts. Yeah. And how, how do you get someone that gets to talk to all these different departments and pull it all together and build something that works for everybody? That's kind of our special sauce. We can come yeah. in and kind of be the liaison for all these departments in addition to the IT departments, in addition to actually building these products, you know, mm-hmm. uh, not just talking about them, but actually building them and then going back to the business and, and working with them to make sure it's what they need. And then going back to IT and making sure it, it fits their constraints and then eventually delivering it so that it drives business value. If you've been thinking to yourself, I wish I had a personal brand that was easy to articulate and really captured all that I do, then look no further. Check out www.thebrandid.com today and sign up for a brand strategy session. We work with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, authors, and speakers all the time. And we've been doing this for nearly 15 years. We love the work we do, and we would be so honored to help you uncover and define your personal brand. So check out www.thebrandid.com today and sign up for your brand discovery session. Are most of your clients in a particular industry or no? I think I, I kind of lean towards clients that have um, a large footprint of software. What I mean mm-hmm. by that is if, if we, you know, like, for example, let's say there's a client that is a, um, 
they, they have one software product and people log into this product and they use it. And they use it for um, just, uh, just on its own. I, I'm struggling to think of an example, like a QuickBooks. Let's say that yes. the, the company is QuickBooks, right? That wouldn't be an ideal kind of client for us because their, their, their footprint is limited to the product that they have mm-hmm. and not necessarily limited. It's not extending to all these different problems they're trying to solve. The, the ideal kind of client is like a, let's say like, an, let's say a coffee brand. Mm-hmm. Awesome client. I'm, I'm a big pet. I, I love dogs. So like a, okay. like a, a Chewies.com would be an amazing client. Okay. Right? Where the reason I say that is they, they, they deliver an actual good that needs to be delivered in a very efficient, you know, efficient manner in, yes. in a way that people actually get what they need in a specified time frame. Therefore, there's, there needs to be software kind of governing that process, but it's right. also high level. So there needs to be people that buy these products and then it needs to be tied to uh, suppliers that sell these products. And, and yes. along the way, there's complications on, you know, if it's a frozen food, it needs to be in a temperature controlled truck right. stored in temperature controlled zones in the warehouses. And to me, those are the most interesting problems because mm-hmm. it's a process. You solve something upstream. Yes, you probably help things downstream, but there's still so many more things that you need to continue solving. Mm-hmm. I think I'm just addicted to solving problems. So yeah. if I have a yeah. to create this, you know, really complicated situation where there's so many problems to solve, then uh, a lot of it requires collaboration between different departments, uh, between IT and the business for sure, but usually between business and business. You know, you have, yeah. you know, merchandising and finance talking to each other. And, and therefore, I think I, I, we find ourselves leaning towards those kind of problems because that that fits our our ends really well, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Building really yes. complicated technical infrastructure and helping business collaboration, you know? Right. right. So we find ourselves kind of leading to those kind of clients. Yeah, no, as you're describing both that use case and um, your, you know, your Chewies, which I hope you um, land as a client, by the way, um, I can see why you've grown so quickly in the last three years, because that problem you just described um, as a result of 2020, right, was probably experienced for the first time um, at a unusual highly high level by many types of companies yeah just the logistics of getting things around so absolutely so i know you're in the process of um trying to productize your service right now your services are very high touch right very custom um how are you going about the process of creating a product yeah, this is a very difficult one, Rachel. And I think yeah. this is one of those things we've talked about. I, um, I'll i be honest, I haven't found a solution to this yet. So maybe yeah. I can talk about some of the challenges that I've been encountering with this. Um, a lot of services organizations try to make this change. They try to make this this transformation. It's not even a change. Yes. You've got to change everything about your business. So it's a transformation, so right? True. It's an evolution. Um, and, and to do this, it's so important because, you know, as services companies, sometimes you say, you know what? This is what I do well one unit of my time is now worth incrementally more, right? So right. as I get bigger, as I get, gain more clients, I gain more expertise, you know, my, let's just say my company's rate goes from $100 to $150 an hour. Right. Still an hour, right? It's still right. based on this additional hour that we at the company have to give, you know? And even if it goes to $1,000 an hour, it's still the additional hour that we have to give. And that makes it a, it makes it a kind of, a, um, it's a linear growth, right? It's, right. Some some will call it quadratic, but the point is like there's still the unit of time that we have to provide to get any additional units of additional revenue, right? Mm-hmm. And and so 
to break out of that, to get into this position where it grows upon itself, you really need software. You need mm -hmm. technology to enable that. And this is where products come in, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if you have a product where you, it's a SaaS product. If you sell 10 licenses versus sell one, sometimes the same team, if built properly, can handle the same amount. They can handle yes. one, one license sold or 10 licenses sold or 30. And therefore, you're moving outside of this one additional unit of revenue requires one additional unit of hours of time, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And that's why people want to make that switch. But the, the reason it's so challenging sometimes is uh, I talked to you about what's our special sauce as yes. a right? And that's that's really, it, it's distilling complicated technical topics, mm -hmm. also building complicated technology. Right. Now, it's, it's very difficult to say, I'm going to keep those the, that same special sauce in our product and do it in such a way, like you mentioned, it's very high touch. We're able mm -hmm. to do that because we're high touch. And if we try to change that to become a product, it's very difficult to say this product is also high touch because that, that completely changes the dynamic. People don't right. really want to be high touch with the product. They actually want to be low touch. They want to, right. <laughs> they, they want as little as possible to get what they need done. You know? So I think what we're finding more and more as we, as we try to think about products here is um, for the first option, an easy option is, is kind of create a product on something completely different. Right. Maybe as, as part of this consulting journey, we, we come across problems that we solve over and over again. Mm -hmm. Now that's an opportunity for a product yeah, because now totally. this product can solve it. You know, instead of us spending more and more and more time on it, this product yes. can, can be built once and then use more, you know, over and over. That's one opportunity. The other one that I'm, I'm still very, very interested in is um, may, maybe we still remain a services organization. Mm -hmm. However, we just help ourselves out. So maybe we build accelerators internally. Maybe yeah. we build things yeah. that, that just make that, you know, additional unit of work just a little bit less. Right. Or uh, maybe for that same additional unit of work, we, we actually have a lot more value, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we kind of start, we come, we start coming towards the spectrum of what a product can, can kind of provide us, mm -hmm. but we still do it from a services mentality. We still right. say, we're going to deliver this for you, but hey, we have this accelerator that... You know, if you, everything we've talked about so far, maybe you can just hit our Nexus Deep API and we'll, we'll answer questions on whatever you have about this thing we just built for you. Right. And in the back end, we actually built that with some of the latest technologies using generative AI. And, you know, maybe we built it with cloud platforms and um, right. all these kind of things. But on the client side, they get a lot of value because they don't have to keep coming to us. They get everything they need from this, from this thing, right? It's, it's right. Pretty, yeah, they get what they need. Um, Maybe it's a product. Maybe log into a website, nexusleep.com, and they, they get what they need. They say, okay, uh, I have this product. I just implemented this, this entire complicated uh, cloud infrastructure installation. Yeah. Uh, I have a question about that. They just ask and it, it responds to them and it's done. They still have more. Maybe there's like a matrix form where they eventually lands at some real person's lap and they have to kind of respond back. Right. I, I bring this up as an example. This is a kind of a support example that many people have kind of I've taken on, but mm -hmm. that's an example of like a, of a digital accelerator. That's mm -hmm. not a product mm -hmm. on its own, but it's a services company that's further differentiated from other services companies because other services companies may not have this. They may right. have stuck with just services, but now all of a sudden we're a premier services company. So right. it's, it's, it's challenging, Rachel. I still, I still think about that all the time, but um, what I found though is uh, we love what we do at, at our company, right? Yeah. Being a services company, we love what we do. And the, the things that kind of guide many people, you know, what, what does additional revenue give us that the fulfillment of, of doing what we love gives us now, you know, right. that right. question comes up a lot. And we, we kind of end up 
sticking to what we do best and what we like to do and what really brings us joy for us right now. Sure. Um, but maybe one day you, you never say never. I, I can yeah, see that. Yeah. Day yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's this saying that the cobbler's children always have the worst shoes um, and being a, a service provider, you know, running an agency myself, I know that it's hard to turn the lens on your own company, but I'm just wondering, have you ever looked at the service to product trajectory by b- building a dashboard for yourselves? Have you ever tried that? That's a great idea. It's a great idea. I mean, I think this is one of those things. Uh, it, it really comes down to what data are we tracking? Yeah. Right? Yes. Um, it's funny you say that because you're right. We bring that to our clients all the time. You know, it's, right. uh, any analytics we provide is only as the, good as the data that you track. You right. Log, you know, and and so if we turn it around on ourselves, I think we we have to start logging at uh, a much you know higher granularity and, and actually lower granularity to make sure that we have exactly what we need to say. This worked for us. This didn't. Um, here's what really provided a ton of value. And yes. uh, as we start making a pivot, we can start kind of taking a very, you know, data-driven approach to take the shortest or most effective path to, to the product. Right, right. Um, you started out by making this distinction, just to switch gears a little bit, um, between personal brand and business brand, right? How are you using, if if at all, your personal brand to continue to build your business brand or vice versa? Um, your company's three years old, almost four, right? Actually, yeah, almost four. Um, are you finding now that the business brand is is helpful in building your personal brand? Or, you know, potentially too, it's you, things are just too young to be still um growing one versus the other, right? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I'll be honest with you, in the very beginning of the business, that mattered a lot more to me. Yeah. Um, business brand, building my personal brand is, I think it's because I, I still have the mentality of an employee in a way, uh, yeah. in the sense that, you know, this next job will help create a, a better resume for my next job, mm-hmm. right? And so I built this company as, oh, you know, I can put down, I built this company, I did this. And and so I was already kind of enhancing my personal brand that way. Oh, sure. Build this company. It's doing this. This is providing this kind of value, and therefore, here's the value that I can take some kind of ownership for, and say I've done this. Um, over time, what's happened is um, I kind of was kind of, kind of telling you the Nexus Lead brand is is sort of what's most important. Yes. You know? mm-hmm. So how do we how do we create ways to um, to kind of I don't want to say enhance this brand, but almost just enhance visibility of that. Brand. Yes. Yes. You know, it's we're very, very proud of what we do. We're very proud of our team and the integrity that we have with with our own team and with our clients. And um, it, it, you know, first of all, we sleep well at night, and second of mm-hmm. all, it creates for a very good culture that we're very yes. happy about. And so, um, a lot of my personal brand is is very much focused on on making sure people can see how great the company is, you know, mm-hmm. and the company and its employees are. And so. Yes. Um, I, I, I'm not great about social media. I keep telling myself I'm going to post on LinkedIn more. Um, I post every now and then and I forget, or I, I just, it doesn't come naturally to me to post on social media. So I wish I could do that just more easily and more naturally, yes. but uh, I think maybe one day I will. Uh, but whenever I do, it's it's always it's always around what we did at, at Nexus Sleep that I'm very proud of, that, that yes. makes me happy, you know? Um, whether it's someone new joining who I'm very excited about because they... That, you know, they fill this hole that we've had for so long, right? 
that's been eating at me. And now all of a sudden this person comes on and they're perfect, right? I couldn't right. ask for someone like that, but now they're here and they're proud to work for Nexus Sleep. And they're not, you know, sure, they might be happy to work with me, but, but really they're happy to work with the brand that we've cultivated over years. Mm-hmm. You know, this brand mm-hmm. of, of resilience, you know, we, we, were, we were created in a time when no one thought that we should be creating things. Instead, we should be hunkering down and protecting yes. what we have. You know, hoarding toilet paper, right? right. That was the time when we started. <laughs> yes. um, and and it kind of grew to a point where like people are joining us because they 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 feel proud to be a part of that brand that that yes. showcases resilience, that showcases mm-hmm. um, you know excellence, mm-hmm. uh, that showcases this this real sense of of grit and scrappiness of, of like getting together even when times are hard. Um, mm-hmm. And loyalty too, right? We really care about our people um, mm-hmm. in a way that uh, a very highly effective team cares about each other, you know? Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's hard to say everyone's a family and it's hard to be like, we say we're a family, so we are, right? That's not really how it goes, right? It's, you only feel it, right? You, you know, yes, so you, true. You know, like one, one, one off example is like, when I married my wife and, you know, she had her family and it's like a how, how do I, how, how did I ever feel like I was part of her family? That that only happened over time. It happened after real relationships were created. It happened after there was a safe environment I was in. It happened after there was real love being exchanged. And then it was like, okay, yeah, I feel like I'm in a family. But if yeah. they just said, oh, you're a part of our family, that's just words, right? right. We're not interested in just words. We want to yeah. really show that we're behind what we, we care about. Yeah, no, so true. I also feel like bad times, right? That's when you realize um, the family aspect of it. Um, but back to your comment about LinkedIn too, I really had a laugh because I have that same struggle, believe it or not, um, despite the line of work that I'm in and, and so bad that my team is always after me saying like, you have to, (laughs) you got to post more on LinkedIn because, and this is what I, I wanted to share and get your view on. Um, ultimately companies do business with people, right? And, being an owner, being a founder, you probably find yourself in a place where you're the face of the company too. And so um, as you you know continue to grow, how are you um, humanizing Nexus Sleep and getting out there and building the business brand? Yeah. Or is that a challenge? Which it can be, right? Because you're so busy working on client yeah. work too. No, it's it's a very good point, Rachel. It's it's just actually one of those things where humanizing the brand actually maybe if done right doesn't slow us down. But mm-hmm. I find myself when I try to humanize the brand that I have to put so much energy into it that it yes. slows me down. And because I'm working in the business, it slows right. us down, you know? So I I'm sure there's experts listening to this that are gonna be like, Mother, you're doing it all wrong. And you know, I love to hear from those experts. I love, I'll be honest with you. I'm always trying to find ways to do it better. Whenever we try to like make it extremely humanized, then we spend a lot of time on the marketing side of it or a lot right. of time on the brand identity. And then, and because we're still small and we're wearing a lot of hats, um, that takes away the effort that I then have on execution or growth, you know? Right. And, and then we, we end up saying, okay, let's prioritize it and let's prioritize and you know, priorities, growth, priorities, execution. And then I, we sort of then deprioritize humanizing the brand. Yes. You know what I mean? So um, I do. Yeah. yeah. So that's a challenge. It. I think there's a balance. Maybe maybe it's two steps forward, one step back, and that's just the way it goes until you get far enough to where it has right. momentum of its own, you know? Mm-hmm. Not quite mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, what's on deck um, for the remainder of this year? Are you starting to plan for 2024 or is that planning already done? How do you see um, the business evolving over the next year? Definitely. Over the last year, it's it's been, um, it has been a bit of a hunker down mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, we've, we have grown, don't get me wrong, we have grown, but um, we've faced a lot of macroeconomic challenges in addition to uh, just kind of coming off of the pandemic. So yeah. it's one of those things where uh, we, we decided to kind of stick to our guns, do what we're really good at, not mm-hmm. focus too much on growth, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, really lower risk profile in general and make yeah. sure the team we have feel very confident going into this. Uh, we, you know, very, very grateful to say we've had no layoffs through the time when, you know, hundreds of companies had hundreds of thousands of layoffs. Um, and, and, you know, we're proud of that because we were able to make the right decision at that time to say, you know what, let's, let's focus on what we already have instead of trying to look for something we don't and spend unnecessary time, money, and energy trying to get that when it could actually cost what we have. Now, as we look into the next couple months and into the next year, uh, we're, we're kind of looking past that now, you know, I'm not saying there's no risk, but I'm saying we, we do want to actually really start focusing on growth. We we've learned a lot throughout, um, you know, we're very well versed with the, the latest, uh, you know, large language model technologies out there and how to utilize it properly. Uh, I'm not saying that's going to be a focus area for us because I think, um, LLMs on its own aren't necessarily what's important. I think LLMs embedded within, um, existing infrastructure or existing products are what really differentiates the product itself. Um, and so, I'm, I, you know, I'm looking for ways to help companies take advantage of these latest technologies. And um, as we grow, I think a, a big focus of that growth is not just going to be analytics and, and you know, dashboarding mm-hmm. and cloud infrastructure. It's a lot of it's going to be, you know, how do you build infrastructure that allows you to modularly add things like LLMs into the mix but you still have your own special sauce outside of the LOM. Right. And that's what really differentiates you. I think we're going to start growing with that mentality in mind, right? Mm-hmm. Finding clients that that really are, are interested in using LOMs, but not making it a core part of their product. It's just one additional feature to their already awesome product. Got I it. think if there's clients like that that are interested in just adding a feature using LOMs and building structure for their product to allow them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to find those clients and start working with them. Um, Clients that want to build their entire products around LLMs, um, that's to me a little short-sighted, especially because everyone has the same access to those resources as that client would. Um, I think the ones that really figure this out and and break apart from the mold are the ones that have built their own proprietary data for Mm -hmm. a long time. They've built their own proprietary methods. They've built their own own clients and customers, and they just need something to bring it all together. And I think Mm -hmm. that's where LLMs do a really good job of bringing those elements together without too much additional human intervention. That's the power of LLMs. So as we look to the end of this year and throughout, I I see us working a lot more on those kind of AI implementations, Mm -hmm. Uh, having a background in machine learning AI myself. I've kind of put that in the back burner for a bit, focused on analytics and and cloud. And I think it's time to bring that to the front and really start focusing on the the advantage that AI can have when it's not a core part of the product, when it's Mm -hmm. actually on the side, but it enables everything. Sure. It makes it more efficient. Yes. Uh, and what's an LLM? What does that stand for? Um, LLM is a large language model. Okay. Uh, an example of an LLM is ChatGPT. Okay. Got it. Excellent. Well, we look forward to uh, watching you evolve and grow. Uh, Mata, where's the best place to learn more about you and your company? 
Right. So I really enjoyed this. Uh, the best place for anyone to reach me, if anyone reaches me and they just mention that they kind of heard of me through you, Rachel, I hundred percent connect with them and open to any kind of conversation. Uh, LinkedIn is a very easy way to do it. Okay. Uh, LinkedIn.com slash in slash Madhav Srinath. Great way to get to me. Um, and then my website, uh, the company website, there's an easy form that believe it or not, I monitor all the responses for. So if you go to www.nexusleep.com, it's our company website. You can take a look at some of the videos we have out there, some of the case studies, some of the other content. Uh, but also if you just want to kind of have a conversation, that's also a great way to, to reach out and, and get in touch. Excellent. We'll put those links in the show notes. So it's easy for people to learn all about the company and you. Thank you, Rachel. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Business of You. If you found a little dose of inspiration or learned something new, please leave a review and share it with a friend or even two. Interested in building your brand and business? Tune in next time to The Business of You podcast. And remember, there's only one you. You're the biggest differentiator your business has. Until next time, friends.